Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Thank you, Angie. Are you smirking? Be careful, they've already banned uh, smoking and smacking. Sadly, um, last week I told a joke uh, that involved my wife. Um, guys, pay attention um, to those, those little warning signs. Those awkward pauses in conversation that last, say, a week. Uh, Sarah isn't here this morning. She started a new online business selling eggs. If you've arrived for the first time this week, that will make no sense to you at all. Just ask someone near you. That's good. No, she's not very well this morning. That's why she's not here. Um, We are in a series called Walking the Walk Together. What's the series called? Uh, which I suggested last week we could rephrase as being uh, actively on a unique journey in community. And it it links a little bit with what Dina just did in that interview. Understanding we are unique. We are very unique. And uh, we find ourselves in different places, mixing with different people, with different gifts and talents and abilities and resources. And we have to understand that. We also have to understand that, just like the word walking, there is something active about this faith. The Christian faith is not a passive faith. It's not about you, you've made a decision. You've, you've sort of welcomed the grace of God in your life and then you stop. Anyway, more about that next week. There's something very active about that. And then it, it, is, a, it is a walk. We're, we're going somewhere. And then there's the whole together bit, which is the bit sometimes we don't like. Because some of us really get our energy from being on our own. And yet God said, no, this is a together thing. I'm going to speak to you mainly through each other. But God, can't you just speak to me directly? Can't you just once, once a week... Send like a bolt of lightning there, or a cloud with your face in it here, or could you make a bit of the Bible just jump out and, you know, hit me in the face? And God says, no, I'm going to use my body to encourage and build up uh, each other. And we talked a bit about that uh, last week. Uh, The elements of this series are are this, belong, uh, believe, behave, and become. That's the title of the, the four weeks. Last week we looked at belonging. Uh, this week we're looking at uh, believe. Why are we doing this series at all? We're doing this series because it seems there are some gaps amongst us all and in Christianity around the world between what we believe and how we behave. Right? In fact, there are some huge, very famous figures in the Christian faith whose gaps between what they believe, or what they say they believe, and how they behave have been found out, and they've come crashing down. Uh, but it's not just for the people who are high and lofty and on TV every week. It, that's a message for all of us. We say we're believers, then we have to behave in a way that we believe, right? It's really important. There also seems to be a confusion about who we belong to or what we belong to. And hopefully we cleared that up a little bit last week. And finally, um, there seems to now and again be an unwillingness to want to become something. Um, we like to think that just because God accepts us as we are, that he wants us to stay like that. But one of the whole points of discipleship and this Christian faith that Jesus uh, launched his followers onto was that they might become something. And most of the New Testament uh, written by the uh, apostles is helping people understand that they can become more like Jesus, more like the way he lived, more like the way he thought. And so we've got to be open to becoming something. And we'll talk about that in the, the final week. Uh, So last week we talked about, yes, we belong to Jesus and we belong to church. And we understood that Jesus went around showing people that they belonged in his presence. 
well before he expected them to believe anything or behave differently. Jesus went around showing people that they belonged in his presence. He spent time with the most unlikely of people. Well before he expected them to believe anything or change their behavior in any way. And that's important for us to know. That's important for us to know as church, as existing church members. But it's also important for newcomers to know because you can come as you are. And to be fair, those of us that have been on the journey for a long time, we can still come to Jesus as we are. You've had a terrible week where you have just been full of shadiness and darkness and sin all week. Guess what? You can come to Jesus as you are. That's one of the wonderful things about Jesus. You don't have to clean up before you come to him. You might have to clean up for a job interview, but you don't have to clean up to come to Jesus. And we need to understand that. Uh, and then I suggested, well, uh, I'm, I'm basing this whole series around one passage. It doesn't mean that we, we're not going to dip into other passages. But uh, a passage from, from Colossians chapter 1. Uh, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. In him, all things in heaven and earth were created. It's amazing, right? Things visible, things invisible. Thrones, rulers, authorities, powers. There's something about this little passage that gives us the, the vastness of God and the, the size of, of him. All things were created through him and for him. Why am I here? I'm here for Jesus. Now I suggested that uh, this might be a good passage to learn. And uh, way back in the old days, we had to learn memory verses and memory passages. And I've still got lots running around my head. They're sort of in old-fashioned English, you know, because I grew up in the 1800s. But that, that's, that's why. Uh, but I suggested that, uh, that some people might want to learn it. And, and as promised, I've come good on, I've brought a box of chocolates, okay, here with me today. Has anyone, oh, I thought someone was getting up earlier then. Has anyone, I mean, I'm not expecting anyone to have done this, okay. Has anyone learned any of that passage? No? Okay, it's going to be a rollover week next week. There are going to be two, <laughs> two boxes of chocolates next week. I expect someone by the end of this series to be brave enough and go, yes, and they stand up here and they're just, going to, they're just going to go for it. Let's read it together. Why don't we pop it on the screen? Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Nice and loud, all together. Can you see it? Here we go. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In him, all things in heaven and earth were created, whether visible or invisible, thrones, rulers, authorities, and powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Let's just pray. Pop your hands somewhere near your heart. Father God, we thank you because you speak to us. You really do. And we need to be better listeners. Thank you for your, uh, your ability to accept our praise and our prayers, our petitions, Lord, when we ask you for things. And now, Lord, we just ask that you will speak to us, um, Lord, through your word. Just let us grow, let us learn, let us be changed, transformed in some way over these next few minutes. Will you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to obey? And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Amen. Good. The, uh, the Flat Earth Society is getting popular. Their, their website says that they've got branches all around the globe. Which is great. No, um, I, once, I once debated a member of the Flat Earth Society and he got so mad he stormed off uh, saying he would walk to the edge of the world to prove it to me. He'll, uh, he'll come round eventually. <laughs> Look, isn't it interesting what we believe? I mean, there are genuinely some people that believe that the earth is flat, right? I mean, you could be here this morning. 
I don't know. I think most people who say that they are flat earthers are, are doing it to parody something. I think they just like the idea of I'm a, a flat earther. But isn't it interesting what people believe? Do you, have you noticed that? There are some strange old beliefs going around. And, uh, and I find it interesting what people can put their belief in, what they accept as being uh, truth. But that does, of course, uh, uh, bring a big question for ourselves. What do we believe as Christians? What, what do I believe as a believer, as a follower of Jesus? I mean, there's the whole big story that I guess as a church and as a leadership, we often like to, to talk about and involve in, in, in anything we do. The whole big story, this surprising story that of God resourcing and rescuing his image bearers, us, humanity. The big cosmic story of God rescuing his image bearers and restoring unity and... Uh, and reuniting heaven on earth. That's the whole big story of scripture, of the Bible. Did you know that? That's what it's all about. God making what had gone wrong all right. Everything making it all right. Not just you and your soul. Gone are the days where we would just go, oh, it's about you and your soul. Give your soul to Jesus. Jesus is just after souls. No, he isn't. He is, he's here to reunite heaven and earth. It's a, it's a wonderful story. So there's that whole cosmic story that we could try and understand and, and, and believe. And then you get, whenever you look into the Bible and you get nitty gritty, there, there are always so many hundreds, thousands of other little things. You know, did Jesus die on a Thursday or a Friday? Well, it's Friday. It's called Good Friday. Well, you read the Bible, it seems like it's Thursday. Is it Thursday or Friday? I don't know what to believe. Is it important what I believe? Is it really important it was a Friday? If, if it's not Friday, is my whole faith rocky? What if it's Thursday? What if I've been believing a lie for, for... It's Thursday, by the way. But what if I've been believing a lie for decades? Does my whole faith come crashing down? What's, what's gone wrong? What do we believe? Uh, and what's interesting is, of course, if you engage lots of Christian biblical scholars and, and lots of Christian theologians uh, within their own camps and between their own camps, they are disagreeing all the time. Anyone notice this? Any of you who sort of go out there and search and read stuff, you will know that you could almost pick any tiny little nitty-gritty thing from the Bible and find different views about it. And that's it's interesting in itself. And actually, that's Okay, because it follows a wonderful tradition of even the people themselves and the closest people to those who wrote the Bible. Jewish, ancient traditions who discussed and debated and wrote the Midrash and, and the Talmud to discuss and debate all these nitty-gritty things of the Bible. And so, you know, disagreeing and arguing and finding all these different things to to believe in how to look at things is a good thing. Do you know what it shows? Engagement. Yeah. It shows engagement, a search for truth, and a growing understanding. That's what it shows. And those three things are really good. If you don't have questions about scripture, about the Bible, about text, you're probably not engaging or seeking understanding or wanting to find truth. So all that is good. So the truth is that there is so much disagreement about these things, but that doesn't always help us when we ask the question, what should I believe, right? What should I believe? What, what do I believe? Well, our ancient Christian ancestors, a bit further towards the, the Near East, they, they had a, a problem and there were people among their Christian circles who came up with really strange ideas about you should believe this strange thing and believe this odd thing. And they decided to form a creed. A creed. The first really formal big one. There were lots of little ones before it. It's called the Nicene Creed. It came out of a big council they, they had to help protect the church and preserve truth 
And then a bit later, that was in the 4th century, uh, uh, and then a century later they came up with the Apostles' Creed, which is sort of a cut-down version of the Nicene Creed. You've probably heard those terms, and if you have, don't worry, we're going to sing a merger of the two later on. Okay, And you've sung it for a few years at this church, it's called the Creed. And it's a song based on a merger of the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. And we're going to sing it together a little bit later. And most Christian denominations, most Christian denominations, would base themselves around the items of the Nicene Creed. So would you like to hear it spoken out? Would you like to hear it spoken out? Okay, good. Good. It's on video. Let's just play this video and see if you recognize any of it. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Is that powerful? Yeah, go on. Give it. How many believers in the house? What do you believe? Interesting, isn't it? I mean, after this service, if you want to, just go away, ask yourselves that. What do I believe? And think if you can say it clearly. That was the whole point of a creed. I mean, that was pretty long, right? And lofty. And lots of people hammered that out over a few days to come up with that form of words. But, but what, what do you believe that, that keeps you solid and centered? And a lot of us as, as Christians, as believers and followers, we don't think about that. We just wash around in this, this faith thing. And it becomes... Um, becomes nothing clear. And then we struggle because we, we find ourselves in situations where someone asks us, well, what do you believe? And we get all flummoxed. So, so why not, because of this series, series use it as, a, as an opportunity to sort of nail down, yeah, what, what do I believe? Look at things like the Nicene Creed and go, that's powerful. That's going to be part of, of my creed. That's, that's what I center myself Around, I've come up with three things that I think are important for us to believe. Just three things. If we, not, th not three things we need to believe to be able to have access to Jesus. Jesus is accessible to all. Not three things we need to believe to be able to call on Jesus. Anyone can call on Jesus, right? Three things we need to believe if we want to be part of that surprising story of God rescuing his divine image and reuniting everything 
and, and joining heaven and earth together. If we want to be part of his story, of, of his plan, what do I need to believe? And I think there are just three things. And I think if we believe these three things, then we set ourselves on a path, on a trajectory, on a journey where we cannot fail to gain more revelation and wisdom and insight. And that the Holy Spirit will be pleased to give us all those things. So this is going to be helpful. How many things? Three. Three things. Here's the first thing. We have to believe that belief is needed. We must believe that belief is needed, right? And you might think, Russ, that's just, that's a stupid thing to say. Why do we have to believe that belief is needed? Isn't that just a, a given? And I'm looking around the room because I don't want to spoil anything here, but nevertheless, the, the, most children have gone out. I, I really hope they have. But look, Jesus is not the Easter bunny. Okay? I mean, I've not got young kids anymore, right? But every year, I used to have to pretend that the Easter bunny is real. Are you covering any children's ears that I left in the room? Okay? I had to behave like the Easter bunny was real. Yes? I had to go along with it. I I had to... You have to do this whole charade. Everything changed like the Easter bunny was real. And the the tooth fairy. Okay? Dress up with little wings. I never used to go that far. I did used to dress up as as the Christmas gentleman. Okay? We used to go through these whole charades. But let let me tell you. Jesus is not the Easter bunny. Jesus is not an imaginary friend. He's... That imaginary friend who who comes along in life when you need a crutch, right? He's not that. Um, If he is that to you, then you don't need to believe anything. You just need to pretend. It's just a charade. It's just a thing, a set of behaviors, a set of habits, a religious ritual you go through. So many people have religious rituals in their life. And they never go any deeper than a religious ritual. They say their prayers. They state them out. They, they go to church. They learn the hymns. Uh, and it's a behavior. But there's nothing deeper. There. There's, no, there's no belief in the one that they're hymning to. There's no real belief in the one that they're asking things for. There's no belief other than I'm doing it with other people that... That you come to church. There's nothing bigger than that. Yeah. Well to me that's exactly the same as how we behave with the Easter bunny. And an imaginary friend. And a, and a tooth fairy. Look. To be part of God's surprising plan of redeeming everything on this earth. We have to believe. We need to believe. We have to believe something in the great. Epistle written by St. Paul to the Romans, chapter 10. This is what it says. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now, we could really open that. And there's lots of things we could say about that little passage. I just want you to notice the two words in white. Okay? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's amazing. That's wonderful. But how can they call on the name, or call on the one they have not believed in? Easter Bunny. Come and save me. I forgot to go to the shops for my child. Easter bunny, please come and rescue me. It's not going to happen, right? There is no real belief there. Jesus is not the same. So, so this is saying that to really call on the name of the Lord, it doesn't, that doesn't just mean, hey, Jesus, that... That means honor and respect. 
to give honor and respect to the Lord, you need to believe in. And then Paul says, well, how can people believe unless they've heard something? And how can they hear without someone telling them something? So it, it sounds a simple first point, but I find that challenging in myself because I'm just a creature of habit too. I'm a creature of religious ritual. I'm a creature who likes my frameworks and my, my little systems and strategies and processes. And if you're not careful, you, you become someone who embraces all that and yet the foundational belief of what it's all about just has gone. So when I said, hey, any believers in the house? Yes. But what do you believe? What do you believe? (laughs) Well, do some searching. Searching of your soul. Take yourself, if you've been a Christian for many years, take yourself back to the beginning. What did you believe then? I believe that Jesus loved me. Do you still believe that? Or as... Or have the decades knocked it out of you? I believe that Jesus is concerned about everything I'm involved in. Do you still believe that? Or has life worn you down and you no longer believe that? Interesting, isn't it? Here's the second thing. And this is a vital one. Believe that you are in need. I must believe I am in need. If I want to be part of God's surprising cosmic plan, I have to believe I'm in need. I have to believe I I lack, not just in small ways, but in in great ways. I mean, there there are things that believing you're in need do to you. They make you humble. Right? If you be, truly believe you are in need, if you truly believe you lack some important things, um, you can't also be full of pride. Have you noticed that if you talk to people and it's very clear in conversation that they, they know they lack something and they, they know they need help from other people, you don't usually find a, a proud person that you're talking to. It's usually a humble person. When we look into... Scripture, we, we find that the people that Jesus was able to do amazing things in front of and with, they all seem to have a, a common trait. And that trait was humility. They knew they lacked something. Now, someone recently, I can't remember who it was from this very platform. Um, it might have been Mark, actually spoke about uh, uh, Jesus catching Peter fishing. And it happened twice, by the way. (laughs) Jesus caught Peter and his friends fishing. And and on both occasions, they hadn't caught any fish. They'd been out all night. They'd not caught any fish. Okay. So I don't, you follow a trend there. He probably wasn't very good. I don't know. But but anyway, there was certainly in John chapter 21, uh, after the resurrection, John, Jesus comes and he finds Peter. Again, they'd been toiling all night. They'd caught any fish. And Jesus shouts out the question from the shore. Have you caught any fish? And Peter could have said, of course we have, we're fishermen, you know, what are you? Remember, Peter didn't know it was Jesus, it was just an odd guy on the shore. But Peter said, no. Simple answer. Hey, fisherman, have you got any fish? Fisherman says, no. Story ends with 153 large fish being caught. Okay. There is something that admitting we lack, that we are in great need, it brings us to a place of humility where God is able to do something. In fact, James, the Apostle James writes something. He, he picks it up from um, an Old Testament writer. He says this, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Have you heard that verse? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Well, that should be a message for us all. That's something we need to believe, to be able to be part of God's plan, is to believe that we need to be in need, right? 
If I walk around thinking, no, I got it all together. I've got everything connected just, just right. And, uh, and now it's up to God. God's now, he's just got to, he's just got to prove himself to me. Come and do something special now, God. Bang, and then I'll follow you. Actually, although that sounds logically okay, there is something about the nature of God where we can only access his fullness if we admit we are in need. I know that can seem strange to us, but actually it's, it's the way many 12-step things work as well, if you're recovering from addictions. If you walk into a 12-step program and on week one you're full of pride and you think you've got all the answers and got it all together, you're not going to make it through the program. You have to admit it and you, and you confess with your mouth that you are in lack. I, um, I believe at this stage, I'm going to come to the third thing we need to believe, but, but there's something that I see clearly in, in Scripture that happens. If we, if we get to these two first points, what was the first thing we need to believe? We need to believe that we need belief, right? And the second thing is we need to believe we are in need. If we can find that in our heart, something amazing happens. Scripture tells us that God then gives us a gift. It's a gift of faith. It's a gift of faith so, so that we can believe the next thing, right? We have to believe when we come to God that we can't patch him all together like a puzzle or like a logical equation. And suddenly we are faithful followers of Jesus who are part of this divine cosmic plan. No, we believe that actually we can't do it all on our own. We cannot do this on our own. If we could, wouldn't the world already be amazing? No, we need God to come in and break into our lives and into our processes and do something for us. Anyone got a, um, a TV at home with a, and you've got one of these special magic boxes, you know, that give you the TV programs and they're also your broadband router. Anyone got one of those? Yeah, mine doesn't look as neat as that. Mine is sort of a nest of cables. That, yeah, all that, that kind of really messy. Um, but I remember when we got our Virgin router installed right at the beginning. And um, I refused help from the professional. I thought, I can do this. I've been working with this kind of stuff all my life, right? I mean, I can do, I can do technical stuff. Do it blindfolded, you know, so you get all the wires, all the cables, all in, get it all right. You put, plug it all in, TV, you know, broadband, Blu-ray disc, 3D TV, all that kind of stuff. You know, all, all there, all lovely. Sit back, lights are on the front, and then you wait, click your button. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. But I've got everything in order. What's, everything, is, everything that was in the box is now there in the corner of my room. Right? Everything is at nothing. So I had to ring them up. And they said, oh yeah, yeah, you need the activation signal. <sighs> Where do I find that? Have I left it in the box? No, it's nothing like that. The activational signal co comes from the manufacturer. It comes from Virgin. They send it down the line. That Mr. Westfield, proud Mr. Westfield has got everything in the corner now, and to make it work, they have to send this signal through, and suddenly I'm, I'm on, I'm there, I'm online, everything's working. They know I'm here. Ping, and that's it. And I think sometimes our, our journey into faith can be like that, that we, we, we've got everything together, we've got it all just figured out, and yet there's still something missing. And what's missing is, is the gift of the activational signal from the manufacturer and the bible talks about it like a um, like a gift of faith this is what it says when uh, saint paul writes to the ephesians he says this it is by grace that you are saved through faith but this is not of your own doing but it is a gift of god you are saved by grace, through faith. But this is not of your own doing. 
All right? This is out of the realm of what you believe. All right? This is interjected into it. God just, he sees, he sees people who are seeking him. He sees people who are humble, who know they lack something. And the activational signal comes and a gift of faith appears. And it can come to the people who are, are the lowliest of thinkers and the least intellectual thinkers. And it can come to the loftiest, loftiest of think, thinkers who often think they've got things figured out. But they come to a place and, and they just know they need God. And, and a gift of faith comes. And suddenly they can begin a relationship with him. And I didn't want to go to the third step without explaining that part. Because I wouldn't want anyone to leave this place thinking, oh yeah, I can do this all on my own. It's just all about me. Actually, it's all about him. The most we can do on our own is have a, uh, a form of faith. An appearance of Christianity. That's the most we can do on our own. But when God comes, gives a gift of faith. We can enter into him. Here's the third thing we need to believe. Not to, not to call on Jesus' name, but remember to be part of this plan, this surprising story that God has. We need to believe that Jesus is risen and that he rules. Can you say that with me? We need to believe that Jesus is risen and that he rules. Now, if you've thought back to the previous two, you'll think, oh, this is a big step up, right? So the first one is, you need to believe that you need belief. The second one is, you need to believe that you're in lack. And you think, oh, okay, I can get those. And then this next one, I need to believe that Jesus is risen from the dead and that he rules. And this is, this is why I wanted to explain about the gift of faith from God. Because how many people do you know who've risen from the dead? What, Mick down the road? No? How many people do you know um, who have a greater authority and power than all the kings, emperors, uh, princes, prime ministers, and presidents in the world combined together? None. We need faith to believe this. Right? Rising from the dead is not an everyday occurrence. And there's no logical process you can go through in your mind where you will work it out in equation, or you could stay behind for detention in one of Sarah's chemistry labs as much as you like, messing around with stuff, and you will not get something to rise from the dead, right? It's, it doesn't work out that way. We need a gift of faith. And yet, we cannot escape this, that to be part of God's plan, we need to believe that Jesus is risen and he rules. Back in Romans 10, again, let's go back there. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved let's just keep that on the screen a bit if you confess with your mouth what Jesus is Lord he rules he rules confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord he rules and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead he's risen I mean, I'm not going to, seriously, I'm not going to waste my time going through life worshipping a dead God. Right? Anyone else? I mean, it's a complete waste of time. And I'm not going to worship a God who has less authority or power over my life than Liz Truss. Right? I mean, I want God to be risen alive and well and I want him to be ruler I want him to be what he says he is and here Paul writes to to this church in in Romans and it's the whole chapter is worth reading I'm just picking out a bit here if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord I'll tell you if you can confess that why don't we just say it now Jesus is Lord right and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved wow that's powerful stuff and we don't often 
think about it. <clears throat> there is something about confession. Some of your Bible translations change the word confess to declare. It's the same thing. Some, something important about declaring things. Many of us uh, who are Christians think, because we've heard this phrase said so often, we think, I've just got a private faith, you know. Go on, I'll talk about anything. I'll even talk about politics with you, money, sex. I'll talk about sex with you. But comes to fa- I've got a private faith. <laughs> what? What? Jesus once said, "If you, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven." There is something about confession. That's why a couple of weeks ago, we baptized people in public. Uh, It's a public sign. It says to the world, this is what it says, I really believe this. I really believe this. I believe this so much that I'm willing other humans to see me doing something that corresponds with my belief. you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord that means you really believe it right and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved that seems quite strong you think well I I can't be saved without the confession thing well that's interesting the early Christians certainly didn't think so because they understood the word believe a little bit stronger than we believe the word believe now For them, the word believe also meant behave. Okay? If you believe something, you behave like you believe it. So if I believe Jesus is who he says he is, I I will talk about it. They didn't just go around talking about what they watched on Netflix the night before, right? Go with me on this. They they didn't have Netflix. But you know what I mean? And I'm just going to talk about it in a nice way. If I talk about Netflix in a nice way, people think I'm a nice person. And that's as good as confessing Jesus, isn't it? No, no, no. They confess Jesus. What do you do at the weekend? Oh, I played football. I did this, I did this. Don't you go to church? Oh, I did that as well. I went to church. I went to church. Why do you go to church? Uh, there's nice people there. Isn't it interesting how we, don't, we just don't want to do the Jesus thing? And yet, right here we say, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you are saved. I just, I I urge you as church folk, let's just um, get to grips with the size of Jesus, the Colossians Jesus, right? You are made for him. You are made through him. He works in you, front and center of our lives. Let him emanate from us. Look, with those three beliefs, I believe that anyone, anyone can participate in a divine exchange where sin and darkness and death and despair are exchanged for salvation and light and hope and life. That's what God does. He turns mourning into dancing. He turns death into life. He turns darkness into into light. And I believe with those three beliefs, not only can that happen, but then you set yourself on a trajectory where you gain understanding. You know, if we can live this Christian life uh, with humility, if we can live this Christian life understanding that we do need to have a belief, and if we can live this Christian life with the most basic, fundamental of beliefs, that Jesus is risen and he rules, then I do believe that the Holy Spirit will be able to show us all the things that we need pertaining to life and godliness. You don't need to worry about whether Jesus died on a Thursday or a Friday. Don't you worry about it. Or where Cain got his wife from. Or how tall the Nephilim were. I mean, knock yourselves out. I mean, that's absolutely fine. Your neighbor couldn't care less. 
<laughs> what your neighbor needs is darkness turning to light and death to life and hopelessness to hope, yeah. right? And the answer to that is not whether Jesus died on a Thursday or a Friday or how tall the Nephilim were or where Cain got his wife from. It's whether Jesus is real yeah. to you. So I don't want you to think that these three beliefs, belief that we need belief, belief that we are in lack, and belief that Jesus is risen, I don't want you to think that they then need you to go on some lofty, uh, lofty journey of great intellectualism. There were three people crucified at the same time as Jesus. Two other people besides Jesus, Right? I mean, there could have been more. There probably were more. The Bible just mentions Jesus and two others. Two thieves. And um, uh, this is what it says. This is how Dr. Luke wrote the story up. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. That man had three beliefs. He believed that belief was needed. He was humble. We deserve this. Hey, criminal. We deserve this. And he believed that death would not keep Jesus. And that Jesus was going to enter his kingdom. He was going to rule. And he just said it like this. Just pop it on again if we can. He just said it with these simple words. We're getting what our deeds deserve. Jesus, remember me when you, the king, come into your kingdom. No great intellectual pursuit there. Just three simple beliefs. He didn't have much breath left to go on an intellectual pursuit. And Jesus didn't need him to. And if a criminal crucified next to Jesus under so much strain and stress, not just mentally, not just emotionally, but physically too, in those two short statements can declare those foundational beliefs and enter into that relationship with God. That if he had lived longer, wow, what a great start he would have had. If he can do that, then what about us? So, seekers, those of you who are here today and you're seeking Jesus, you're, you're seeking more of God, let me, let me just urge you, find a quiet place today. Find a quiet place. And um, put yourself in the, the kind of position of someone like that criminal. You see Jesus. What do you want to say? Hey, I'm seeking, therefore I have lack. I lack. I need you. I don't need to understand everything about you. Will you give me faith? I need gift of faith. I need faith. To believe that you're risen and that you're all. Lord, help me now. Just pray a prayer on your own, quietly. Find a place, please do. And believer, let me encourage you with your faith. Um... Confess it. I mean, you really believe it in your heart. Really believe it in your heart. But confess it on your lips. You don't have to talk about Jesus every sentence. That's just weird. Don't be weird, right? Don't be weird. But if he is more important to you than Netflix, then let the world know it. And if it's more important to you than whether Liverpool win or lose, then let the world know it. And if he is more important to you than whether you've got the promotion or haven't got it, then let the world know it. 
Let's believe it in our heart. Let's confess it with our lips. And I believe there is a new element of salvation that comes to us every day because we honor him that way. Let's stand together. Lord, first we just acknowledge that we, we could never do this on our own. We, we can't glue together a set of beliefs and suddenly be part of your great plan. We need faith. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, would you help us from the newest to the longest serving disciple here, Will you bless us with a gift of faith? To again, with a, a depth of belief that we've not had in a long while, will you cause belief to rise up in our heart? For even your disciples, Lord, they said to you, help us in our unbelief. For we all doubt at times. But in this place now, Holy Spirit, would you cast aside fear? Would you cast aside doubt and cause a belief to arise because you are granting us a gift of faith. And then, Lord, for those of us who we call ourselves by your name, Christians, followers of Jesus, will you let this belief rise from our heart to our lips? us to declare and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.